What up, what up, what up? Peace. This is the Fire This Time Podcast. Episode 83. And my name is Sonny Teray. And I'm Akita G. We're so happy to have y'all here once again. We have a very nice episode planned for y'all, but to get things started, we're going to have Aki welcome y'all the traditional New African way. Well, peace. Welcome back, y'all. Thank you for joining with us again, as usual. Like, sub. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Um, we on all major platforms. You know what I'm saying? Definitely leave a comment and let us know what's happening. We back at you again on this rainy day. But hopefully we able to give you some type of fire during this windy, rainy day. Um, and as usual, thank you again for joining with us. So what are we going to get into today, Aki? Uh, Aki, we got... We got we got the good and we got the bad today. Ah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, even the bad thing got some good in it. And uh, why don't we just go on and start there? We're going we're gonna to finish up things with uh, They Clone Tyrone, you know, new hit film on Netflix, black film. Yes, yes. Uh, we're gonna, that, that's going to be the main topic. But we got to start with the, the bittersweet, I'll say that. And that is uh, Terrence Crawford defeating Errol Spence Jr. for the uh, Undisputed Welterweight crown. Hey. So uh, yeah, Aki. Uh, you know, we watch. I, I watched the fight. I know you watched some highlights, and you you you've been tuned into these two fighters for a long time, like I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, just give me your overall thoughts about the event, the build up, and uh, I mean, we watched that the all access uh, epilogue before we recorded today. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, just your takeaways from the whole thing, Aki. It was, it was one of them. I mean, as, as uh, far as the build up, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, people, man, they definitely put their um. You know, spin on it, but I will say this. You know, what I'm saying this is a monumental thing. You know, unto two, you know, undefeated champions going at it. You know what I'm saying? Um, fighting for that undisputed title, and what makes this so big for the pound for pound undisputed is that this is the first time this has been done with the four belt system. So you know, um, I went for Crawford. Um, I bet on Crawford. I thought Crawford had the better boxing skills and had fought the better competition and harder competition. Even though I did like Spence. I do like Spence. Spence can box. I just didn't think he was going... I felt it was going to be a close fight, so I figured I would go with Crawford. I thought Crawford could outpoint Spence. But um, what was seen and what took place was a clinic that I was highly impressed and shocked that I seen. I thought Crawford was going to win, but I thought he was going to edge it out, maybe on points. Going to be a close, you know, victory for him. You know, no, this is this, is, this ass whooping was clear. It was a clear ass whooping out there. Um, didn't look like he was even harmed after the fight. So, um, I think, you know, the build-up definitely led to a good fight. Far as shocking. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be like that. So, you know, definitely, a, a you know, one of those monumental fights. I, I You know, we hitting comparisons where they putting it up there with the fights with, you know, Hagler, Hearns, and, and Hagler, and, you know, Leonard, and things of that such nature. I ain't going to say that because them were way better boxing matches. As you spoke on earlier, I keep right. But. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, as far as matchups, that's what we all expected. Yeah, and I mean, somewhat that might still be the case as far as 
two greats of you yeah. know such high skill levels matching up at this in and they errors and they primes. And that's the catch. In they primes. If Mayweather and Pacquiao would have did it in they primes, mm. that would have been that fight for me. Uh, Mayweather. I mean, Pacquiao fought for a long time after that, and also remember Mayweather's older than Pacquiao. True. So I, I don't take that that whole narrative that they fought way past their primes and they don't meet as much. And Pacquiao would have done would have beat Mayweather before that. I don't believe none of that. I don't so, necessarily think he would have beat him before that. I just think it would have been a different fight for some reason. Uh, I disagree on that. But I, I would even say I don't know if we got. Terrence Bud Crawford and Errol Spence in their primes. Oh. I mean, maybe I think maybe it was a le- less of a weight than Pacquiao and Mayweather. Yeah, but as I'm, far as I, I don't, if you've been watching Spence for years, I don't think you can look at that fight and say Spence was in his prime. No, I mean fight. when you got to think they've been fighting for ten years at least um, in the game. Um, Spence. His he you know you may his tank may have ran, you know you fight not everybody can go that long. And he's been at one forty seven pounds, fighting at that weight since he was seventeen. Yeah, you know um it just that just happens with fighters. You he's know in his mid, so seven half his life seventeen to his mid thirties. Yeah, see you know what I'm saying. And how long has he been a champion? He's been a champion man, five six years. About five six years. So you know you talking. Yeah, he might have had his run. Yeah, I mean, of course, he had the car crash and things, too. And uh, that's another thing. You know, also some retina damage and just, you know, being a boxer for that long. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people, territory. people are making a lot of things about the car crash and possible neurological damage. And uh, I'm not sure. I think the test should be ran. You know, uh, he definitely, I mean, a lot of people, too many people have commented on the slowness of his speech after the fight. Yeah. How he, he seemed to lost a, a step or a touch socially. And of course, in the ring as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in the ring, we saw his timing off. We saw very little, little lateral movement side to side. Yeah. Which you know I've heard was a telltale sign of some neurological wear and tear. Uh, if who knows that might not be the case. I also heard that he had a a, a rib injury that prevented sparring for the last you know uh, month or two months of his uh, training. I mean, camp. I, I understand you want to get it on. The money's there. But in a fight like this, when it's talking about legacy, this is a legacy fight. Mm-hmm. You know, Crawford can go on and, and lose the belt, and you know, nev- you know, but he got a legacy. This oh, yeah. is everybody gonna remember that ass whooping he put on Spence. Yeah, and that was a thorough ass whooping. I was highly impressed with Crawford. I didn't think Crawford was gonna come out there like that, but obviously he saved. Uh, uh, he had an ass whooping deep down that he wanted to get out. He got that motherfucker out. Like he, he got it out. And yeah, he did I mean, it in a, in a in a precise, precision type manner. He had beautiful counter punch on the whole night. Uh, mm-hmm. Beautiful counter jab. Yeah, his jab was looking lovely. Uh, Spence wasn't able to in- implement his game plan of the the wear and tear and just the bowl coming forward. It go back to the basics, I key. I tell you, a solid jab is the key to a champion. And Spence looked it busted up. He was busted up. And that's something that you get over time from having a consistent jab put, put in your face all the time. And Spence was supposed to have a good jab, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we saw some flaws in his game as far as, you know, and Crawford being the boxer he is could exploit them maybe where other people couldn't exploit it enough. 
to me. It was enough. It was enough for Crawford. I mean, and uh, let me explain. Mm-hmm. Spence. I mean, Spence wasn't level changing with the jab enough. Mm-hmm. You know, jab up top, jab to the body. Yeah. He was always stepping in with his jab. Yeah. And he was just getting countered. So I mean, Terrence Crawford was throwing a short jab counter, mm-hmm. but because Spence was walking forward with his jab, mm-hmm. and it gets parried away, and as he's walking forward. Terrence, your short jab land is just, and it's devastating. Yeah. How many times we see Spence's head get thrown backwards yeah. off a counter jab? Cause yeah. Because he, he's stepping into a solid, mm-hmm. you know, motherfucker who's planted. Yeah. Stepping and, and, down and, on that jab. And, and and was expecting you to do that this whole time. What was Errol Spence's game? Uh, you know, Plan B mm-hmm. didn't look didn't look like he had one. I mean, his mind may have not been there. Uh, I can't make excuses for that. You're a champion. He's proven himself as a champion. He's, you know, been champion for about five years, so that means he's defended his title. Um, this ain't the end of the road for him. I don't know if he will be the same. Some boxers don't come back from that first loss. Right. Now, he, he does say he does got plans on coming back. Mm-hmm. He won. I mean, he spoke directly after the fight towards, you know, wanting that rematch with Crawford. You know? And he and- might decide to jump up to a next world class. Yeah, yeah. That that's what I mean. No, it's, it's not no might. That's that's what Spence is doing. He's going mm-hmm. up to 154. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Terrence Crawford, to his credit, said he'll he'll go to 154 and fight him there too. Mm. Uh, so and we'll, we'll see what happens with that. If that happens at 154, if, if Bud Crawford wins again, he's then at the weight class that Jamel Cro- uh, Charlo is at, mm-hmm. uh, who's undisputed. At 154. Yeah. Got all the belts at 154, right? Mm-hmm. Also trained by Derek James, who is Errol Spence's trainer. Yeah. Now, Jermail Charlo is about to fight Canelo in September. Yeah. Uh, but his undisputed belts, I don't believe those are on the line at all for this fight. Because uh. he, he's moving up and Canelo can't reason. Canelo would never make 154 again yeah. to be able to win those titles and defend them. So those titles are not on the line. Yeah. So win or loss... All that to say, win or lose, Jermel Charlo, after that Canelo fight, potentially has the chance to fight Terrence Bud Crawford, who will also be at 154 by then. Mm-hmm. And if those belts stay together, Terrence Bud Crawford has the chance to go uh, undisputed in three different weight classes. Mm. Never been done before. Yeah. Uh, as far as men go, nobody's ever been undisputed in two different weight classes besides him. I mean, uh, if you include women, Clarissa Shields is the, yeah. is the only other person in the in the four belt era yeah. to go undisputed yeah. to different yeah. weight classes. Yeah, okay, classes. then in the four belt era, yeah, right. it definitely makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and if, of course, Terrence Crawford has a very high potential to end his career uh, doing it in a third weight class. And what a sight that would be, you know what I'm saying? So even though I was like I was pulling for Spence, unlike you, Aki, yeah, and. Uh, I thought it was going to be a lot closer and disappointed it wasn't. Feel bad for Spence that how it went. Yeah. But also feel a lot of pride in Bud Crawford being pound for pound number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a boxing fan, I mean, you got to love his game in the ring. Seems like a good brother outside of it. Yeah. I mean, only other topic maybe we can end on with this. You know, just looking forward, I think a lot of more people coming into contact with Bud and who he is, his upbringing. Also learning about some of what made him so tough, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Terrence Bud Crawford grew up in a situation with a very abusive mother, mm. a mother who refused to tell 
him that she loved him. Yeah. Purposefully to incite rage. We would pay boys in the neighborhood to fight him because she wa- she believed he was that tough of a fighter. Yeah. So I'm talking about, you know, before his teenage years, she's paying, you know, paying for mm-hmm. street fights yeah for her son yeah organized the street fights i mean i mean talk about i mean interviews where terrence Bud crawford and his mother sitting right next to him yeah they're talking about how she used to just beat him uh to toughen him up yeah beat him for something that he would do that he might do later yeah so very abusive mm. i mean not only that terrence crawford also survived being shot in uh the side or back of the head mm. drove himself to the hospital you know, uh, growing up, I guess, in the streets or whatever uh, situation. Hey, he is a soldier, man. So, I mean, he, he overcame a lot, you know. So, uh, it's easy to, to, you know, to find pride or just admire somebody who who overcame so much. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. But a lot of people come into contact with that. I, I noticed some things going viral. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those interview clips. Now that a lot more people know who Terrence Crawford is. And I'm going to say this. Um... Crawford, I mean, um, Spence could have been indulgent. Not like, I mean, like, you know, um, he's a champion, enjoying the good life. You know, maybe a little more, maybe a little too much relaxation. Um, We've seen that when we've seen the camps before the fight. You know what I'm saying? So, there's a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? We don't know. His head may not been there that night. Should have been there, but it may not been there that night. But you know, um, I seen that he was promoting Mike Tyson's uh, cannabis brand. I think before the fight, a lot of people said that he looked high. You know, before and after. You know, before maybe after the fight. Could have been but, nervous. Could have been scared. But also another thing, another point on the neurological damage side of things. Uh, I, I saw a YouTube video by uh, a neurological doctor yeah. who, uh, who spoke on that glassy eye look that you. We associate with smokers yeah is also something that's a telltale sign of neurological damage mm-hmm. people with neurological damage a telltale sign is they have a glassy look mm-hmm. uh, in their eyes yeah and uh everybody people don't even know spence you know I, i've seen comments about how his eyes looked before mm-hmm. and after the fight yeah and and of course his speech and all that so yeah it's a tough situation but you know we're gonna pray for the best for him and i i before he gets back in the ring, I hope that him and his team and his family ensure that all the most thorough of checks are completed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For itself. So, yeah. So, uh, if you comfortable, Aki, we can move on to the next topic. We can go ahead and roll on to the next topic. Movie review. Yeah, going to uh, open it up for the people then, Aki. You know what I'm saying? We just watched the film. They, they clone Tyrone, you know, and... Uh, yeah, before I start, I get into maybe some stuff about the producer and director and what I think about the film. Just what what do you think overall about the film? I mean, what, what's your initial reaction? We got the, uh, the 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 weather out there playing the 808. I, yeah, I thought it was a Papa Shango and Oya. They up there <laughs> fighting right now. <laughs> Having yeah. to follow nigga didn't come in the house last night. <laughs> Came in the house late, but nah, man, uh, definitely, man, y'all need to check that out. They clone Tyrone. Hell of a movie. Um, you know, it ain't too many movies that catch my attention outside of sci-fi movies. Um, and this black movie right here, I would say it was a black movie because it was produced by black men. 
um, a lot of directed by a black man. So it was definitely righteous. Um, but um, definitely good movie. A lot of Jews being dropped up in there. Um, um, had a real uh, funky feel to it. You know what I'm saying? It was like it was modern day, but it had a 70s feel to it. Um, now, let's just say this. The story centered around a brother named Fontaine. Fontaine I was yeah, That name is funny I knew a dude named Minister Fontaine Old school dude But Fontaine Hustler In the hood Doing his thing You know what I'm saying Living in the house with his mother Things of that such nature You know what I'm saying He in the streets You know He falls out with some dude Selling in his hood Hits the guy with a car Runs him over Dude goes back Gets his people They come back And they pop him Right He did Next thing you know He wakes up in the morning He wakes up in the morning He goes about his day Somebody who's seen him get shot Sees him the next day That person that sees him Get shot is a pimp Who's played by Jamie Foxx Jamie Foxx played his ass off In this movie right here And in the process The pimp sees him And one of the pimp's Former Hose sees him too and they say hold on we seen you get shot but you still alive and then the story begins the plot begins to thicken up and in here you know it's a lot of Jews being thrown in the movie I keep you know from the commercials that they keep showing to which you keep seeing the characters indulge in and the directors did a beautiful job of weaving a story for you. Weird and out, out, out of bounds, but it was a good-ass damn story. I loved it too, Aki. Yeah. It, was, it was an instant classic for me. Uh, I mean, for so, many, for so many of the same reasons that you just mentioned, uh, the setting that the movie was in also was real dope to me mm -hmm. because it seemed to be kind of suspended in uh, time a little bit you know it seemed like anything from the 70s to contemporary times could have been included mm -hmm. as part of this universe you know uh, the aesthetic or the cultural appeal of, yeah I don't know that appeal that, of it that style now I, at first I thought maybe it was part of the you know uh, government experiment you know what I'm yeah. saying that was going on I won't say too much about that mm. but uh, you know I won't give it give away the movie too much but I thought that was maybe part of what they put together with the experiment and maybe that could have been the case but also it seemed like a, just a style choice yeah because yeah. I mean it's old school Cadillacs Motorola Razor phones yeah. house phones in the movie uh, people dress like it's back in the day yeah uh uh, some some characters are, but some people are some like Jamie Foxx character, mm -hmm. classic pimp, black exploitation seventies era. Yeah, the woman could have been from that era, but also was uh, kind of contemporary yeah. in her styling too. Yeah, Fontaine's character was a nineties uh, yeah. banger. Yeah, you know Dope what I'm saying. Boy. Yeah, different era than Jamie Foxx's pimp, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it all went together in this film very well. Yeah. It all melted together. I really liked even how the film was shot and like color graded, and they kind of yeah. put like uh, some noise in it as far yeah. as like some film noise. It could kind of give it the old school feel, and it just worked so well. 
Uh, another thing I really liked about the movie was who the antagonist of the narrative was, the story. Mm. It was Uncle Sam, basically. Yeah. Uncle Sam. Like, how, how many black movies get produced nowadays where it's clear and explicit that it's Uncle Sam, it's the white man keeping niggas down, trying to manipulate, turn our minds against us, uh, experiment on us, and, you know, I mean, it's emotion. It was the lessons inside of there. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, in the movie, you know what I'm saying? They uh, come across a substance. They kick in a dope house. And they come across the substance in there, right? And when they come across this substance, um, it made people laugh. Forget about their problems. Well, it, the, the substance just manipulated people to do what they wanted them to do. It could make, it, when they put it in chicken, it made people laugh, carefree. Yeah. When they put it in perms for the women, it made them depressed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When it, and, and, and some more shit You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. So uh, Yeah uh, Just on that You know The idea that you know, Movies being made Where it's The clear in, it, The same enemy in the movie Is the same enemy In reality Well Of, of I mean, black people And real quick I'm gonna talk about uh, The producer of the film Named uh, Charles King mm-hmm. He also produced Another movie That stands out For that same thing Judas and the Black Messiah the movie about Fred Hampton yeah. and uh, the snitch uh, of the Chicago Black Panther Party. Yeah. I think Ronald O'Neill, if I'm not mistaken, his name. Mm. But uh, and that and that movie was clear too who the the, the antagonist was. Yeah. So shout out shout out to uh, Charles King and Macro is the name of the production studio mm. which uh, did uh, this film. Also, uh, uh, Charles King, of course, is a black man. The director of this film too, uh, Jewel Taylor. Uh, you know, shout out him. You know, he also, uh, he did They Clone Tyrone and also was involved with Creed, too. So, uh, so yeah, uh, we're, we got to support the uh, the black creators that's, you know, giving us this dope shit. Yo, they, they put a lot of jewels in there about how the black community is being controlled. Um, they use focal points. So, they use... The, the entryway to the labs was always in focal points within the community. The black church, um, the chicken spot. Um, you can also say the corner stores. They was always in focal points. And it always had something in that place that the people wanted. So this specific substance or drug that they was using, they put it in the trap house because they put it in the dope. This substance, they put it in the perms because the sisters went to the salon and the stores and got the perms for their hair. They put it in the liquor stores or the corner store through the liquor. That's why you've seen everybody drinking 40s in there. They put it in the chicken at the chicken spot because people was going to get something to eat. Yeah, shout out to commer- they had the commercials throughout the film of the chicken spot. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh my God, the dances like yeah. pe- people's in there go turning the fuck up Turn for, the, it for up, the chicken, off right? the chicken, <laughs> and you know shout out to Jamie. Jamie was the uh, the one who figured it out. You know what I'm saying? But um, it was it was funny that they centered it coming out of those places, and these was all things that black people were engaging in in in, in the movie, but also in real life. And these centers were places that black people were engaging in in real life. And um, 
it was funny too because the main antagonist of each one of those places in most cases was always a clone they the preacher was cloned you know what i'm saying the, 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 and, and at first we thought they was only cloning men, but no, come to find out they were cloning females too. You know, it was one of those, uh, you know what I'm saying, type movies that it's a lot of lessons inside of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, worth seeing. Definitely worth seeing. Oh, yeah, definitely worth seeing. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I like the, the message of resistance, you know what I'm saying? Of fighting back in the movie. Yes. Of coming together, overcoming our internal differences that they caused. Mm-hmm. They manipulate and benefit from our differences. In the yeah. movie, so much of the movie was about overcoming those, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, really seeing the the true culprit. Yeah. Really turning our collective energy not towards ourselves destructively, but cons- in a constructive sense, in opposition to our oppression. Yeah. So I, I I did appreciate that. I mean, I'm. The movie got deep as far as like this, the um, how this white society is attempting to assimilate us. Assimilate like, explicitly. Yeah. I, I attacked assimilation. Like, yeah. What what the experiments were intending to do, it was part. And of course, we all deep in the spoilers now. I hope, yeah. hope, hope you all caught on to yeah. that. So, uh, yeah. What, what assi- that was the whole plot. Uh, genetic scientist i won't give away who the genetic scientist was yeah but uh the plan was to basically make black people white genetically culturally so in every sense well well and that's that's weird i keep because see the way i took it it was that way but it was in the reverse because don't forget what he said either annihilation Mm -hmm. or assimilation right so he said assimilation is better than annihilation exactly and so the catch is is this that the low birth rate the um the the country becoming more browner things of that such nature so it was a scheme from them notice when when they, the white boys they was producing these white boys that had afros mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying every time you went into a pacific spot one of the centers that they controlled which was either the chicken spot, they had a white boy in there with an afro or a light, running yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? A light-skinned dude. You can even say a high yellow guy. You know what I'm saying? Up in there, running the spot. It it was weird the way they threw that little mixture in there. But they also did another thing. They connected the music to it. Mm-hmm. Because when um, it was a scene in there when they went into a underground lab. Mm-hmm. And they seen the experiments, and they had black people down there experimenting on them in situations to where it's like they could change the music, and in one minute they be fighting, they have it on some trap shit, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, some drill shit, and they be in there fighting their ass off, mm-hmm. and then they'll take it and they'll put it on some like R&B. Or, 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 you know, saying coming together music. And then, you know, they embrace each other and be cool with each other. You know what I'm saying? That's like... And note, they were doing that as they had them under the influence of whatever this mysterious substance, drug... I still don't know what that was. Mm. But whatever it was when they under the influence of it. But it, I, I love that they had this... The, 
this drug in there that induced it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying because it helps. It helped the story and it, it made it dramatic. Yeah, but in real life, that drug isn't there and that effect is the same. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, well, that's see, that's be real though. Let's just think about it. You know, X. Now we in a generation of pill popping. Right. People spraying fentanyl on herb. You know what I'm saying? Let, um, let, let's just take the part of the movie just about the perm and the hair product. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because part of the message, it, it wasn't like part of the reason they put it in there, it wasn't just, you know what I'm saying? They didn't just leave it out there without making a black political nationalist cultural statement on it. Mm. The fact like, fuck them perms. You know, we're going to wear our own shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're going to wear our own hair. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I really love the part of the movie where they thought they was getting old girl. They, they thought they was rubbing the perm into uh the the chick, the yeah. main chick yeah. in the movie. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they were rubbing it into her wig and she was yeah. just playing along. Yeah. And then she whooped their ass, pulled, <laughs> pulled the wig off. And she's like, y'all, you goofy motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the best parts of the movie when... When the community yeah. got together, the Glen, and they got together and uh, pretty much uh, overran the operation. Mm-hmm. And, and and how did they do that? It was also through culture. Yeah. Because they kept on doing, like, once they found out how they were, the culture was being used against them, they, they infiltrated the experiment going on through uh you know manipulating these white perceptions yeah so they had all of the secret conversations uh to plan uh the solution you know the the overthrow right of yeah. the rebellion they had all those conversations while acting like they was with a prostitute acting like it was a drug deal acting like it was this and that yeah when it was you know what i'm saying so uh, it, it really made me think about Franz Fanon. I, mm, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When he talked about how Algerian women would use the perception of the veil, you know what yeah. I'm saying, uh, for different purposes, maybe to conceal weapons. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, or maybe a woman would take off the veil to appear more Western, you know what I'm saying, and then have a chance to infiltrate the, uh, the colonial authorities that way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, playing on both sides yeah uh and that's really what we have to do is colonize people like what like colonize people how do we use our culture you know for revolution for rebellion for ourselves well, well, in it. this situation i like how the movie explored it go ahead look how he used the antagonists we were the three main antagonists that overthrew the system but also were the main ones who were cloned the gangster the pimp prostitute two gem- general stereotypical archetypes that they use for black folk in America but they specifically they all three curiosity they got the knowledge they found out and it was them saying that for but prior to that was in the community doing whatever they was doing so called destroying the community the minute they got woke it was those same forces that went back and saved the community. You know what I'm saying? You never know what the, the salvation may come through. You know what I'm saying? And they were clones themselves. It was a heavy movie, man. Because you know what I'm saying? How you find out, like, like just the way they stumbled across things. Um, it was a movie worth 
It's a movie. I, I mean, I ain't gonna lie. If it was, if I was still going to the movies, I would have went to see it at the movie theater. Oh, for sure. For I would have sure. went to see it at the movie theater. Yeah, I mean, just the idea that you know Fontaine's character, like, yeah, even though I'm manufactured, I'm not. I was born in a test tube. My memories, not, I, I don't even have a mother. I didn't even have a little brother that I yeah. thought I had. Yeah, and like he he's, said, yeah, he's and, going through an awakening. And he said, even though you manufactured me, I'm still going to rebel. I still have uh, a life and an autonomy worth seeking and, and, and fulfilling. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And ultimately, I mean, we as new African people were manufactured. You know what I'm saying? Of course, through through that, we had autonomy. You know what I'm saying? But conditions beyond our direct control produced who we are as a people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot. And, and there's different responses to it. As far as some people want to go along with it, assimilate into it, mm-hmm. and just, you know, cut our losses through assimilation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, what is the uh, the lower class, the underclass, that is that that is going to be cut out anyways? Remember, this movie said the underclass is the control group. Yeah. To entice basically the rest of America to go along with elite society's whims yeah you know what i'm saying we we need the black underclass as mm-hmm. the control group you know and uh i mean that that gets into a whole lot of stuff i mean black politics you know and their approach to the black underclass nowadays looks a lot different than the 60s and 70s oh yeah think about how the panthers approach the lumping versus an organization like mxgm for instance Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, or maybe the head of our, uh, the chapter we used to be a part of. Yeah. What What's the conversation from Black Marxists in 2023 about the Black underclass in the Lumpen? What role do they have to play in the the coming revolution and rebellion? I mean, you know, it, it, is it? Some people, you know, have different views on that. Yeah. You know, this movie solidly placed the Black underclass in the center. Yeah. Of the narrative. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We didn't see many black professors. We didn't see many black middle management mm-hmm. or black factory workers, black blue collar workers. Yeah. That wasn't the center of this film about black cultural control and autonomy. Mm-hmm. You know, that was purposeful. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, rebellion is something that's real. Um, rebellion is necessary Um, in our society we as a people have had many rebellions Um, I think the way the world's going right now is starting to be an idea and a concept that people are contemplating again you know um, on all levels from all different segments um it's wild because now America has become, I guess, that woke. You putting that in quotations. That a movie, they let a movie like this slip through the cracks. Um, because when me and you looked at the spook who sat by the door, and we know just doing the history on that, that they definitely didn't let that shit slip through the cracks. They cut that off soon as it got popping. They didn't even let Sankofa go. Yeah, and you know was, what I'm saying? I, I, I was a slavery era. <laughs> yeah, and they cut that straight off. Goodbye Uncle Tom was one that never uh, never really got put out there like that. But it was a killer when it came out. Um, too much truth, you know. 
So yeah, America at a point in time where they that so-called woke that they literally, literally, literally let one of these slip through. And I'm glad they did too, because I needed to see that. You know what I'm saying? It was funny too, because I had just seen a post on it and then I key hit me up like a day later, like, yo, man, we gotta do a we gotta we gotta look at this. And it was definitely worth a good look. Um it's gonna be a recommendation to all black folk. Especially as I go and proceed through the week and deal with the people that I encounter. You seen this yet? For sure. You need to see this. And, you know, I, we got to say this as we look forward to future episodes, Aki. As we contemplate some of these ideas about, you know, uh, nationalism, self-determination, autonomy, culture. Mm-hmm. There are our counterparts in Africa and nations like Burkina Faso, Mali. Mm-hmm. Nigeria that are living it out yeah. right now in direct opposition to Western imperialism. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, that are fi- very physically having to fend off through military might mm-hmm. uh, in you know what looks to be a coming war on the African continent mm-hmm. between uh, those that uh, are looking for to maintain their position as second-class citizens in the West of mm-hmm. the West of the Western uh, society, yeah, and those that are you know resistant that reject Western imperialism, yeah, that don't want a colonial master, mm-hmm. whether it's neo-colonial or traditional, you know. So, uh, yeah, something to think about. So, yeah. hey. It's all coming about in due time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all it, coming about in due time. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, rising up in intensity, you know, uh, the conflicts around the world as we see. So the contradiction is rising, as we've been saying for years on this podcast. The contradictions are rising. Yeah. We're over here in the West, so it's a little comfortable mm-hmm. for us right now. But in other places, they don't necessarily have that luxury to be able to be that comfortable. Um that's one thing I do like about this movie. I'm probably going to round it on off after this, but it shows you how something can look in a practical way, even though it has fantastical... Po- and really, not even... It doesn't even really have fantastical parts to it because the reality is they have been controlling us through the liquor. Right. And they have been controlling us through... The you only know. fantastical parts is they have a special, the mysterious substance. Well, the substance is probably sugar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they put sugar in everything. Yeah. Uh, but and yeah, but besides the fantastical substance and the cloning, yeah, there's nothing fantastical about yeah, the, everything. The, is everything real. is real. Everything was real, real in that movie. You know what I'm saying? They just put something. You know, and I like that right there. Mm-hmm. So definitely, like I say, go check that movie out on Netflix. Netflix let the jewels slip through. They spent some money on this shit. Right. And you got to watch the movie to know who the fuck Tyrone is. Yeah, yeah, you do. Got to look at it to the end <laughs> to know who the hell Tyrone is. Because, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which was actually a nice little, the little that was yeah. a nice little stab at it right there, too. But all right, y'all, that's that's it for this episode 83. Uh, We hope you all enjoyed it, and we're going to catch you on the next one. All right. Peace. Peace.